Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. Welcome back. You are watching Luck on Sunday. My great privilege to welcome my star guest to the studio this week. I've been trying to pin him down for a while. I'm delighted to say that he is here. Not many people excel in one career, let alone two. He has done so. He was a brilliant footballer for Southampton and for England. 21 international goals from 46 appearances. And he has turned his hand to racehorse training in a way that he could only have dreamt of 40 years ago. He is, of course, Mick Shannon. Mick, great to see you. And, uh, yeah, great lovely to be here. And great to see <laughs> you looking, looking so well at last. I know you're a very busy man and showing no signs of slowing. No, no, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that, uh, you know, that I've, I've been involved in two sports. You know, I, I love football. You know, football has really got me to, wear, mm. to train horses. And, uh, you know, racing has, has been kind to me, really. So I've been very lucky. And we've seen that crossover between top-class footballers and racing for, for decades now. A lot of top-class internationals have enjoyed horse racing. For you, was it a diversion? Was it a passion? What was it in the early days? Well, I think possibly um, there's several reasons. You know, I mean, I come, come from a little village in, in, in Salisbury Plain, Orchester, which was where Richmond Sturdy. And it probably... Going back to those days when he he had a decent string of horses and Tin Tanger winning the Ebor and things like that, that all added to. And I remember having I remember having my first bet ever, six pound to win a hundred, you know, with Hector Besant, the bookmaker, you know, and, and I remember him winning. Leicester Pickett rode him because Frank Morby always Frank Morby said, oh, "This horses work great. This will win." And and I had I had six pound to win a hundred. And I remember going to Hector Besant's in them days. I didn't have. Hundred pound was a fortune, yeah. you know, back in the sixties, and 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 they couldn't pay me out. They said, "Can you come back tomorrow?" And I couldn't <laughs> understand that, you know. And it was uh, it was the bookmaker at the top of the road when I was an apprentice footballer. So um, basically, that, that's where it stemmed from, and and the rest is possibly history, you know. Uh, I've gone on from there, and just the, the love of horses. I've always, I mean, my father. My father looked after you know a lot of horses. He was in the horse artillery originally, and. And everything else has evolved from then, you know. And I've, football gave me the option of of, of, of owning racehorses, and uh, yeah, I've been very lucky since. People now associate being a, a top-flight footballer with a, a very good money, but also under a lot of public scrutiny and a, and a lot of pressure. Was it very different then? Um, oh yeah, I mean, I remember. Starting out as a, a, you know, apprenticeships had just come in, mm -hmm. you know, when I started. And I remember leaving school at 15 and going to Southampton and moving into digs, you know. And I remember we, we got seven quid a week, and with, the, you know, what I'm saying, in £4.50, you had to pay the landlady digs, you know. And uh, it was, it, they were great days, you know. I remember going into digs there, and there was four people from the docks, Southampton docks. Eastley Railway Works, there was four people, and there was three three apprentice footballers, me, Jerry Gurr, and, and, and Tony Tony Byrne. And, I mean, we were all thrown in together, and that, you know, and I remember the first day I was there, you don't, I, I soon learned I didn't take my eyes off my dinner because, you know, your, <laughs> yeah. your roast potatoes yeah. were gone or something like that, if you look round. But, uh, yeah, just great days, you know. They, I was lucky that I left home. And um, I was fortunate enough that I had a lot of great people around me, and uh, that, that got me through. And that brings me that bring me on to David Ellsworth and and, and Richard Hannon, who were we were born within. Well, we were brought up. We weren't all born in the yeah. same area, but within six mile radius, we were. You know, 
there was there was ha there was Richard at uh, Everly. There yeah. was there was David Ellsworth at Netherhaven, and me and me and Fruton. But I went to play football, and they they went the horse route, and I eventually came back to it. You know. So had you been friends with them since even absolutely. before the football days? Oh, so absolutely. you all knew each other. So you oh, all yeah. hung around together as as kids. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Tell yeah. me, tell me what what was? I'm fascinated. Uh, I find him one of the most interesting men in the sport. What was David Ellsworth like as a young man? He'll have a row in an empty room, Alzie. But we, we, we've had rows, we've had fights, you know, um, disagreements. But we still get on, you know, I mean, we go to football together, we'd shoot together, you know. Um, and, Richard, and Richard's a star. Richard was the sensible one, you know. Although, don't worry, he could, <laughs> you know, he was a character in his own, own right. But, uh, you know, two smashing people, you know, two totally different characters. Yeah. You know, what I'm trying to say is you can't put them in the same... But two lovely men who are passionate about foot, you know, well, they enjoyed the football, but they were, they were passionate about the horses. And, and what Richard Hannan done, you know, I mean, he, his dad had, a, had, what, half a dozen horses? Yeah. Old Harry, I remember him. He was a, he was a massive, he was a great character. And then, then Elsie, who was doing a lot of the breaking and pre-training and what have you, mm. And still, still did a bit of work in Salisbury Market and things like that. But you know, that was in them days. We all did. We all, you know, the, the, there wasn't the money around. We've come from from nothing, and uh, it's been great fun. You know, we come, you know, you come through, and you, you get get to this stage, and you realise how lucky you, we, we've all been. You know, would you have been a trainer were it not for them? Were they the people that inspired you that way? I think so. And, and you know. I had horses with both of them, mm. you know. I had horses trained by both of them. Alzi trained James Mead was probably the best, and uh, and, and and Richard Hannan trained Spill the Beans, named after a, a taxi driver that used to, you know, inform on us all the time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the taxi driver? <laughs> well, Larry the Cab, he was called. You know, he was a, he was a great character in Southampton in them days. He was a, he was a lovely man. So who was he? Was he in the pay of some of the, some of the papers? Well, absolutely. Well, we don't know. He was, he was just a character, but uh, you know. And, and after me, Peter Shilton would know him well, and Alan yeah. Ball. He, you know, he, he was he was someone who who looked after all all the all the players at Southampton in them days. Could you walk down the street when you were in your in your twenties and thirties without being without being stopped and? Chatted to and asked for autographs. Oh and yeah, and I think it was a lot more relaxed then. We were part of the community, you know. And you know, we're like it's Southampton. I mean, I listen. I didn't, you know, I didn't play for a London club, so I don't know how it, how it was like up, what it was like up here. But you know, Southampton. You most most of people, you, all the supporters knew you anyway. Yeah. And you just took took it for granted, you know. And I went to Norwich, and Norwich was very similar. Norwich is a lovely city. You know, and the the people at Norwich and the people at Southampton always felt part of the club, and that's where football is is, is basically going through a sticky time. In in the sense that all the big clubs now, are, the money is 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 basically, I'm not saying spoiling it because I think that, you know the Premiership is a great spectacle. The football's good. It's certainly changed. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I mean with with VAR and and, and everything else that's going on, you know, I mean, it's the game's changed. You know, we used to get tackled from behind and things like that, you know. And, you know, we, we had Tommy Smiths and Norman Hunters and um, and all those people to put up with, you know. But uh, 
Football's a little bit different now. It's a bit of a tarts game, mm. I feel. <laughs> you have to be tough then. You have, oh, to, be, you have to be a tough, oh, hard, resilient sportsman. Yeah, I, from, from a spectator's point of view now, watching it, do you think it's as enjoyable to watch as it was for people when well, you were Well, I, I don't want to... Yeah, I, I hate looking back and yeah. saying it was better in our day. That was, you know, those things... You know, things have progressed and things have gone on. But I always remember playing it uh, up at Liverpool, you know, and... Uh, I was I was only just just in the team, sixteen, seventeen. Just got into, you know, and I and I remember going there, and it says this is Anfield, you know. I mean, I haven't been up there for years, so it's probably all changed. But I remember coming out there, and they had Tommy Smith, Yates, they had Ian St John, they had all those great old players. I remember going out out on the oh, and it was intimidating when you mm, got there, mm. you know. And I was only sort of a young lad as well. And I remember walking out, and after a minute. Ian Callan goes around two people, one nil. We thought, oh, this is going to be a long <laughs> afternoon, you know. And I remember about ten minutes later, you know, I didn't get many kicks that game. You know, I remember getting the ball on the halfway and looking up, and who's who's from me to you in front of me? But Tommy Smith. So I thought, I knocked the ball about twenty yards by him, went round him, <laughs> round the keeper, one one. And I remember walking back to the halfway line, and you know, you talk about intimidation, and he says, "You do that again, son." And I'll snap your back. <laughs> in, in, in the, oh and do you know God. what? You frightened you know me what? just re retelling the story. And I believe him. I believe he would have. Uh, anyway, to cut a long story short, they beat us 5-1. Five, five <laughs> we didn't get, I probably didn't get another kick. But that was intimidation. Yeah. That was, you know, you... Uh, and I, I mean, I was only a kid, and I remember thinking, cool. And they and they were tough. Like you went up north to some of them games, and I was a soft southerner. Remember, you know, I played football in the south. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. On our day, we could, you know, if if they came down here, we couldn't have given them a tannin down at the Dell. Never mind who it was. On our day, we could hold our own. But when you went up there, cool, it was a different ball game. Because it sounds from what you're saying, you talk very fondly about where you grew up and the people you grew up with. That it, you you had to work hard, but it was a it was a sort of you paint a picture of quite a gentle oh, yeah. upbringing. I, it, I mean, everything. the only thing that mattered to us was 3 o'clock to 20 to 5, and yeah. that was the, the game, you know, mm. and all week you would build up to that, and it was all about that. And the, the whole city, the whole town, whether it was Southampton, whether it was Norwich, or whatever club, you, football was just 3 o'clock, and that's what, the only thing that mattered. And so playing some of those big clubs, some, the, big, the big clubs in the north, the oh, Liverpools and the Manchester United, was, did, they were, did that really toughen you up? Oh, yeah, I think, I think you know, as, as you got going at, towards the end of my career, I remember going to Norwich, and I remember um, he was captain butcher of, of Ipswich, and we had some tough games, mm, Norwich, Norwich again, and that was, yeah. that was like a local derby. And, you know, <laughs> and we go back to... to they used to head the back of your head, some of the centre-halves, you know? <laughs> you know, when you went up to... I mean, talk and tackling behind it, but as you went up to head a ball, they would head the back of your head. And, the, you know, you'd have no control. The ball would fly back. People say, get out of it. But I always remember... And how was that cured? How did you stop that happening? And there was one player. He played for Burnley, um, uh, Leicester and Aston Villa. His name was Andy Lockhead. And he put it... He stopped that... In one game, because what all he did, the ball, he threw his head back, and he smashed two or three noses, oh. 
It was honestly, and you, it seemed it was self-governed. Our football was self-governed in them days, almost. And by throwing his head back, he smashed the you know the defender's nose, so they they stopped heading people in the back of the head. I know it's a, just a little thing, but. Element That's of the, a true story. Element of the Wild West about it, isn't it? As you oh, say, self-governing. Self-governing, self but it, evidently it worked. It's a million miles away, as you mm. referenced a few moments ago, from VAR. Uh, absolutely. And uh, judgments being made but in, how would you, in a how, studio. How would VAR, how could they detect whether you meant to do that? What do you think of it? Do you <laughs> think it interrupts it? I think it's a shocking thing for the game. Just because it interrupts the flows? Absolutely. It. Absolutely. You know, you, you're waiting for, for things to happen. And you're talking of... Millimeters and can the camera get everything right? I don't know. There's got to be some sort of discretion. I would have thought so. I I find it very offensive to the game. I think it spoiled the game. Do you think they'll go back? And, and, I, it, and I know I know all the lads there on the on, <laughs> on the on the uh, on the television are going to say, "God, it's the best thing happened to it." But I can't see that happening. You know, it, the trouble is, it, is the genie out of the bottle now? In a, can well, you, can yeah, you, I don't think they'll go back. technologically I, there, yeah. can you actually come back? I don't think it'll go back, but I think they've got to. Whatever they do, they've got to. They've got to make it. There's got to be some room for error, or you know, there's, mm. there's still going to be there's still going to be controversy. But you can't stop the game. Football's not that sort of game. No. Like I don't think it's like cricket. No. Where cricket can be quite exciting, waiting for the. It can, but, but even with even with DRS in in, uh, in cricket, they've come back a little bit. They've 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 refined it. They've yeah. honed it. Well, to, that's right. To, yeah. to, to, to try and to. I'm sure they'll they'll do something else, but uh, it's it's they've got to sharpen it up. It's got to be slicker, in some way. You're still evidently massively passionate about about the game. Oh yeah, well, football. Without football, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's it's like like the, you know, all the, oh, the you know. I was watching early before I come in, and they're still going on about the the, the whip and the things like that. We love animals. God, there's none of us are in the game, and the big stick doesn't work. You know, I promise you, it doesn't work with with animals more so than with human beings, and it just doesn't work. And and the positive side of it, we the horses are looked after like you've never seen in your life. You know, and um, the the stable staff, the dedication to people, yeah. We still got little problems. We we need more staff. We need mm. there's lots of things that can be done. You know, we need more prize money. We need everything. You know, we, we'll always go on about that. But th there's an awful lot of good things in racing. There's a lot yeah. of good things in football. But there's there's still things that, you, that we're going to have to put together. And you're nothing in either of these sports unless you've got the passion for them. In that one minute there, you've just pulled together so many strands of the great things about horse racing and some of the difficulties in the sport. When you started training, what was the, what was the hardest? What did you find hardest? Get me licensed. <laughs> because the jockey club wouldn't give you one, <laughs> right. which is a, which is a well-told story, but worth, worth telling again, I fancy. Well, yeah, well, I, I went to Portman Square. It was Portman Square in them days, and I sat down, and, 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 and Dermot Brown was next to me. <laughs> That's they not a good start. <laughs> so I thought, I, I, so, so Dermot was in there, and he, he couldn't have been in there three or four minutes. He came out, he went, well done, you know, got me licence, everything's great, you know. So, that, so then I went in, and I'm, I'm in there about half hour, and they asked me if I'd go out, and then, you know, so I went out and come back in, and they'd obviously had a chat, and, and I remember some of the questions they asked me. They, they said, you know, um, you know, have you, uh, what, what experience have you got? And I said, well, 
you know, I've been sort of, uh, I've been with John Baker and f for a year and down in Devon and, and Ken Cunningham Brown. We had our own, a few of our own horses we were messing around with. In between the transition, you know, I hadn't done sort of a lot of the, the, the assistance jobs that all the others had, but, you know, uh, John and Rodney Baker down in Devon were brilliant to me. They gave me a year down there. Um, which was a great That's down experience. Tiverton, was it? Tiverton, yeah, yeah, yeah Tiverton. Bakers, yeah. Yeah. You know, still speak to Rodney now. He's still going well, which is great. And um, it, you know, and, and and that's basically where it comes. But I remember, and it, I think the other thing they said, "Do you ride work?" And I looked around and I said, <laughs> "I said, does Jeremy Tree?" Because Jeremy yeah, Tree, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It was a silly thing. You know, I'm I'm twelve. You know, I'm nearly twelve stone. Do I ride work? No, I don't ride work. But that don't mean to say I can't sort of. Hmm relate a little bit of common sense to the whole job, you know, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people like myself who've come into racing that, that, that uh, well, I did ride horses, but very poorly, you know, and, uh, um, you know, and I think that uh, it took a little bit of time to get accepted, let's put it that way, and eventually, like, I got my license, I had to wait another six months to get my license, and, uh, well, the rest is history, really, we started at Lambourne, and and now we've ended up at West Dillsley. And did that, did that initial difficulty, did that strengthen your resolve? Did you sort of walk away quietly thinking, right, I'll show you what I can do? Well, we were going, it was funny, funny, I had to meet the security man, you know, this was just before the, mm. you know, the, 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 the head of security, the jockey club head of security. And I would arrange to meet David Ellsworth in the in, in Cheveley service station mm -hmm. to get a lift. We were getting a lift then up to, New market sales, and I was, he says, I am better come because if he sees me, he says, I'm, I've I've had bloody rows with this fellow all my life, you know, ever since I've been training, you know, going back to Coombs Ditch. Wasn't and all, the, wasn't you know, the ideal wingman for you, was he? So I said, No, nah, you, you, I said, you'd be all right, I'd, you know. So anyway, I went there, and I, next minute, Alzi's walked out, and they bumped into each other, you know. <laughs> and Alzi said, You won't get your license, you know. <laughs> He was right. I had to wait another six months. So you blame him for that one? <laughs> no, no. But but Alzie was right, you know, in saying that, uh, you know, I, sh I, I should have met him on my own, you know. And it, things happened quite quickly, didn't they? Once you once you did get your license, the winners started to to yeah, come we nicely. Were, we were lucky that I had a, you know, when I first started, I had probably, I, I think we only had about twelve horses, but they were all all right. And I think mm. we had sixteen, seventeen winners in our first year, you know. Um, but you know that was a mixture of jumping and uh, and flat horses, you know, and then probably had a decision to make, you know, what did, and jumping is such a long drawn out thing. You got to have so much patience, and you got to wait so long for the horses to mature to be, you know. So I said, well, I said the only route, and I was basically a flat man anyway. I was always I was more into the flat than I than I yeah. was. And we decided to go the, you know, to go to the sales and buy, try and buy sharp two-year-olds, which we didn't have to wait for, and uh, a bit like Archie Watson's doing now. In, yeah. In, in, you know, in, in them ways, I think he's in the same yard as what I was in at, at Lambourne. But you know, we got on with two-year-olds. We, you know, and uh, well, the rest is history. We had lots of two-year-old winners, and the, and then I was lucky enough to, that that. Uh, the Mac Tombs came along, and 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 we had some nice horses for for Ahmed. You know, Ahmed um, was kind enough to send some, and then along came Jabber, and the rest is you know. And then so Sheikh Ahmed Bintalale was yeah a personal favourite. That's right. Yeah. Again, it's yeah. a, a tale of real unfulfilled potential. Really, what might well, have been. That's right. You know, um, but that seems to be 
you know, we've had a few of those. You know, I think the most disappointing one would have been uh, Queen's Logic, yeah. I think. You know, I mean, she was unbeaten. You know, I mean, she was brilliant two-year-old. Um, she won the Cheveley Park by six or seven lengths. You know, um, uh, Steve Drown rode her, and she absolutely bolted up on yeah. desperate ground in a very good time. And then she won the, the Fred Darling next year. And we were, you know, I, I remember being at Newmarket for the for the one thousand guineas because the two the two thousand guineas because the one thousand was on the Sunday, and, and and Mark Wallace rang me up and he said the filly's got a drop in her foot. And I remember getting in the car and driving straight back, you know, because um, I was going to stay up overnight, you know, and I thought, well, we might just get away with it. We poulticed it all night. We tubbed it. We we did everything we could, and and the next morning. We had the vet there and everything, and she was she was sound, but she was just tender, if you know what I mean. She was a bit, little bit sore, and and we had a decision to make. You know, do we think, or, or do we wait for the Irish, which is in three three weeks' time? Well, probably the biggest mistake I've made in my training career was I didn't run her. I, you know, and I said, right, we'll wait for the Irish, mm. and and uh, uh, ten days later she had a dirty scope. And Jabba retired her on the spot, and that was probably the biggest disappointment in racing. That you know? must have been a tough day. That was, you know, but to retire because he didn't want her to get beat, you know. So, but uh, that was hard to swallow. That that was the hardest thing, you know. But we've been we've been lucky as well, you know. We've had that. That leads me on to something I read that you said that really interested me and and really struck a chord with me when you said he didn't want her to get beat. When you were talking about another great horse that he owned, Newman's. Oh, what a wonderful horse! Second in three yeah, arcs, but absolutely. not just second in three arcs. Second is a carver, seeing stars, and Dylan Thomas, That's which right. he should have been put up in the stewards. Yeah. We'll come to that in a minute. But you said, problem is that people are far too frightened of getting beaten these days, yeah. and that is in part why this horse gets a bit of a panning because I run him, he runs well. He gets beat, yeah. so what? We move on to the next one. Exactly. Do you yeah. still stand by that? Well, that's right. I think that the. the most owners now, they've got to that stage where they don't... We've got to a stage, but our whole society has got to a stage now where, you know, they want everything perfect, and things aren't perfect. You know, certainly horses and that, you know, the sooner they get beat, the better for me. I like them to get beat first time and then improve. And then if, if they... But to you, learn, to learn. Absolutely, yeah. and progress, you know. Um, but... Uh, <sighs> I don't know. I think that, that everyone expects to win. You know, it used to be great fun to think, well, you know, when, we, when I started out, we had this horse. Yeah, we'll give it a run. We'll see how we go. And once we'll see how it improves. And, you know, to win a little, re little race at Salisbury, you know, plan a race out used to be great fun. You so know? feel your way to a target. Absolutely. You know, have, have an aim, you know, say, well, it doesn't matter now. That doesn't happen anymore. People don't sort of think, well, we'll give it a run, we'll let it come on naturally, we'll see how we develop. It's all about winning because it costs money. You know, no. It is so expensive to, to, have, to have a horse in training. And, and I think that things have changed and everybody, everybody is expecting to win all the time. And, and the pressure on, well, I, I, on a lot of trainers is, well, you can see it almost. You, can, you know, I mean... On on the way it affects trainers, I think I don't want to name names, but I, you know I look round and I think, well, you know, that it's taken its toll on people. You know what I'm trying to say is, it used to be fun, 
now it's all a, it's a business. But you do you still get enjoyment out of it? I still get. Yeah, I'm lucky because. Well, I think I'm. You know, I've been around that long now, and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter now. I still get. I mean, I got as much fun out of winning a seller at uh, at, at, at Newmarket mm. early this year. You know, perhaps because I had a few quid on, but, you know, I mean, my few quid is nothing. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying is, but if I have a couple of hundred quid on and horse win at 10 to 1, I get a, I get a, a buzz out of that, you know. Do you, still, do you still get the buzz out of that that you did when you had the 100 to 6 all those years ago? Oh, yeah, I think I do. Is it a similar feeling I think, now? But what I'm trying to say is we worked out where that horse was going. That's where I got the fun out of it as well. It hadn't just happened. You know, we bred the horse... I, you know, I thought, well, what, how good is it? Where, you know, where should you go? And, you know, I'm saying, give it a couple of runs and then take it from there. And breeding horses, again, that's something in the planning. It's the uh, all in the planning, isn't yep. it? You obviously enjoy that side of it. Well, I think, I mean, my hobby would be the breeding. You know, my business is, the, you know, when people say you're a tra trainer. I says, no, I'm a horse dealer. You know what I'm trying to say is now, because if I've got anything that's good enough... Off it goes. Unfortunately, I can't afford to keep it. That, and that's we, where the jumping is good. You, you ask me, what's the difference? See, the jumping doesn't matter so much, because they're not worth as much. And you've got some lovely jumpers now. Oh, in a full I'm, circle, I'm, thanks to Henry I'm very lucky that, the you know, yeah. the, 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 the Tim and, and, the, and his boys are, are mad about jumping. And people say, hey, do you like... I said, I like training good horses. And I'm lucky I've got a couple of, of um, group jumpers. I haven't got... My flat horses aren't as good. But that don't mean to say that they won't be next year or we, we won't find something next year. And that's the great thing about the flat. It's happening quicker. The jumping, they come along and you go, oh, you've got one. All of a sudden it... But it's probably taken three years time they've schooled it and they've, yeah. they've found it, you know, whether I think it was the Costellos, a lot of the horses come from of Tim's. And, and sold them to Hen, Hen's got them home, done a lot of schooling. It's been a long job, and all of a sudden, Mick Shannon gets the benefit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it is of training, training good horses, and that is it's great fun. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiworld Dubai.